At the time of pandemic, the greatest fear is death. But what about those who help people in these times? How do they muster courage to go out in these testing times and help people? Hi, this is Ahmed Sharif and welcome to the Lead from DH Radio. I spoke to two volunteers in Bengaluru, one of whom is part of the Mercy Mission and the other helps people to give their dead relatives respectable last rites. Timestamps to the interviews can be found in the show notes. First, we have Tausi from Mercy Mission. Welcome to DH Radio, Tausif. Yeah. Yeah, my first question to you would be like, uh, tell us something about your organization and what do you do? See, I'm a, when we say Mercy Mission, basically it is a coalition of more than 30 different NGOs who have come under uh, this banner as Mercy Mission and we are working towards the relief effort in this COVID crisis. And, yeah. And, uh, and uh, what sort of uh, relief measures that you do? Could you tell us more about that? Yeah. Uh, see, uh, once this COVID crisis started, and uh, as soon as this, uh, in fact, uh, before uh, even the lockdown was announced, before that only, by seeing the uh, this pandemic effort in other countries and even a few cases had been reported uh, in Kerala and all, in first week of March only, we started having few meetings and we decided we need to have a coordinated effort wherein all teams who are working on ground should get together and do something as a cohesive unit. Then, and then uh, in Mercy Mission, we have got multiple verticals. Uh, when the lockdown announced, initially we started with food distribution, ration distribution. Then we have a vertical called Mercy Awareness, wherein uh, we did awareness programs. We had multiple uh, Mercy clinics we had, wherein initially in March and first week of April, we did uh, field camps wherein uh, in slums and all we distributed free medicines all those things then this uh, migrant uh, workers uh, migration started to happen and then we collaborated with the authorities uh, with labor department railways and all and we supported all the shramik trains so we were providing them with uh, food water uh, biscuits and all so all the trains we did it in all different stations in Malur, Chikbanwa, Eshwanpur, uh, Bangalore City Railway Station, Cantonment Station, we did that as well. Then, uh, because that was the need at that time, because the lockdown had started, and uh, in Bangalore, the health crisis was not as much. There were only a handful of cases, which was easily manageable in uh, Victoria and Boring Hospital. Basically, only these two hospitals had got, uh, they were uh, admitting uh, COVID patients. And uh, it were uh, only between 50 and 100 cases, and it was easily manageable by these hospitals. So, at that time, due to the lockdown, people didn't have any uh, work. So, all these migrant laborers, daily wage workers, everything, they didn't have money even to have uh, cover their basic needs. So at that time, our main focus was uh, food, uh, cooked food distribution and uh, ration kit. In fact, at that time, we were running 36 community kitchens across Bangalore, wherein we used to cook more than 50,000 meals every day. Then, then what happened is, even parallelly, we were uh, see this cooked food was basically to the people who were uh, who had lost job and who were on uh, roadside and people who were traveling at that time. Many people were uh, walking back to their uh, villages also, native places. So at that time, we had made a specific kit for the people who were walking back also, wherein we had ORS energy bar, uh, khakra, biscuits, all dry items, wherein uh, with a pair of uh, slippers, hair oil, cap and all that we distributed, that we used to give it in this Ballari Road and Tumkur Road because most of the people were walking through that road, uh, those two roads, through that uh, Devanhaldi side and to this uh, Tumkur Road, NH4. So uh, that we were doing and uh, whatever the cooked food, what we used to do, is for the people who were outside hospitals, who were on the roadside. There were many people 
who didn't had families and houses here and uh, what had happened is most of these pgs they had stopped giving food because they uh, the people who used to stay in the pgs they had run out of the money even the owners what they said was they said uh, uh, i know nobody is earning you cannot pay us we will leave you you can stay for free in the pg but we cannot feed you uh, only in one area see here in uh, someshwar nagra near husur road uh, over there there only in one single area there were about uh, 5 to 600 people who were staying in pgs we used to give them food uh, uh, every day lunch and dinner and then all these slums and all uh, almost all the major slums we distributed ration kits and we had distributed close to about 60000 ration kits at that time uh, how many people were involved in the whole process do you have any numbers about that easily minimum it is 1000 plus volunteers on ground because uh, when there are multiple ngos who are working together so every ngo had some uh, expertise in one field few ngos were working on education few ngos were working on medical side few ngos were working on relief work few ngos were uh, involved in uh, uh, slum so we what we did was we had a spark in every area then we surveyed uh, surveyed those areas for example dj haldi dj haldi there is a ngo called tuf so they are very active on that area and they are working from past many years 5 6 years so a few all the ngos were working from quite several years in different different area so they knew in and out about that area so what we did was all those ngos we got together and we there was a spark in every area so that person was responsible to do the survey and identify the most vulnerable people and those who are needy so based on that we distributed the food as well as uh, the ration kit what what happened was one is we were able to identify one and second thing uh, even uh, it helped a lot in uh, duplication generally what happens when you start distributing this ration kits and uh, food only whatever is known maybe there will be one four five big slums in bangalore majority of the people whatever they want to distribute they'll just go there and distribute their itself but other than that also there'll be many places wherein there'll be lot of needy people who don't come out and ask but still they are in need they require food they require ration and all identified those things there were many elderly people there were many people with health issues and mostly what we did was handicapped people with uh, some or the other health issues and uh, all the daily wage workers like auto drivers these vegetable vendors mm-hmm. um, uh, tailors because those were the people who had, who were affected the most uh, coming back to now so can you mm-hmm. uh, take us through your day like how your day goes generally generally once we started as i told you uh, we uh, i was involved in uh, multiple uh, different kind of relief activity uh, as of now currently i am managing oxygen centers i'm coordinating and managing what happened was from uh, last few weeks these uh, cases have increased and people are finding extremely difficult to find a bed in the hospital mm-hmm. that you might be aware everybody knows that every day in paper in news it is coming yes. people are not able to find icu and ventilator bed since we are working on ground and uh, we know the on ground situation once we saw that this is the problem there is not enough beds available in bangalore uh, and now many people require the, uh, require immediate beds the only solution is you need to have minimum icu and ventilator beds which overnight it is very difficult uh, to arrange those beds they, they, there is not enough infrastructure then what we did was we just uh, discussed with all the doctors everything what is the best possible support we can give to these people then what we did was we set up oxygen center now what we are doing is we have set up multiple oxygen centers wherein these people who are in need of bed and 
their saturation is dropping and they are not able to find it. For those people, we are giving oxygen cylinders as a stopgap solution till they find the bed. On an average, a person is uh, waiting for one to two days to get a ICU or a ventilator bed. So what happens is if the saturation goes below 90, his body gets deteriorated and slowly, slowly the organs will be failing. And finally, the lungs will collapse. Say uh, you're giving the oxygen. Is, is it like a makeshift uh, place that you are uh, giving them or delivering that to the home? No, 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 no. It No, no. What happens is we have set up a hotline. A person who is in need of oxygen, he'll call us on the hotline. Then we will take all the details uh, like patient name, what is his problem, what is his saturation level, whether he has tested or not, um, all those details. A set of details are there. Then uh, the back-end team will direct them to the nearest center. Then any of the attender, somebody, uh, attender or somebody from the family will come and pick that cylinder. And that will be given to the patient in the home or in the ambulance till they are able to find a bed. So uh, this is the difference is like between life and death because uh, many people have uh, expired in ambulance uh, in waiting and uh, they have been running from pillar to post. Just for our listeners uh, knowledge, can you just tell us what the hotline number is? Uh, hotline number is uh, 4719-1133. Oh, uh, you need to add uh, 080 before. It is a helpline number. And uh, uh, I just wanted to ask one more question is that, uh, uh, see now since all of the volunteers are on the ground, so what yes. precautions are they taking? Like even they should be safe, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That is the most important, the, most, uh, the foremost thing what we, for the volunteers, we give N95 masks compulsory, we give uh, gloves and we ask them to follow the complete safety protocol. See, in all our centers, uh, there is regularly we sanitize the place. Uh, we have given uh, sanitizers, uh, bottles to everyone. Plus, we ourselves provide masks and uh, gloves. Plus, we have a very strict protocol. We have a standard SOP for operating all the things, whether it is oxygen center, whether it is the burials, whatever it is, we have a set protocol. So they do take complete safety precautions. We don't compromise on that, that at all because the frontline workers are our biggest one. See, having some system, having a hospital or having money is only one part of the thing. Unless you have human resource, you cannot pull this off. See, most of the most of the hospitals, the biggest challenge as of now is human resource. Everybody is uh, short on people. There are not enough people in any hospital, whether it is a private hospital, whether it is a government hospital, because whether it is doctors. Yeah, that, uh, nurses are not there. Ward boys are not. Yes, there. yes, yes, yes. Even housekeeping staff, it is so difficult to find housekeeping staff. There are not enough security guards, watchmen to manage the traffic, to manage the people, even the housekeeping staff to clean all those things. It is a, because, uh, definitely it is a pandemic. We need to take precautions, everything. Fear psychosis is asthma. It's so, you know, people have, they are scared so much. They are not willing to come and work. Yeah, see, that is also a big challenge. Definitely, we need to, uh, what do you call, we have to follow all the safety protocols, everything. But people are uh, afraid very much, so they are not turning up. Most of them, most of them. Yeah, and uh, <coughs> since you are on ground, like, how was your family's reaction? Like, did they say, were they worried that you are going out and... Yeah, yeah, that is, that is quite obvious. Initially, um, Almost all volunteers' families, mm -hmm. they were a little bit reluctant. Then when we yeah, explained them the situation, when we told them this is the scenario and uh, somebody needs to do this relief work, no, or else who will do it? See, you cannot just brush aside, uh, so this problem is there, I'll just stay back in my home, I'll not do anything. If everybody thinks that way, who will do the work? Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to do it. If everybody just washes up their hand and if they don't want to get involved, who will do the work? Somebody has to take up and uh, work on ground. No, everything cannot happen by sitting at home. And then, uh, then most of us uh, who are working on field, even our mercy angels 
and uh, who are working in uh, we are working uh, in field booths and all so there are many volunteers who sleep in a separate room every day when we go back we take a bath we ourselves wash our clothes uh, then we go and meet family but uh, there are somebody uh, see for example i don't enter my father's room he comes in high risk category mm-hmm. almost 70 so i am reluctant i just speak to him with some distance i can feel distance i don't go inside his room at all mm-hmm. so most of the volunteers take that kind of a precaution and they do it and uh, <coughs> are you getting any help or aid from the government uh, to carry out relief work see we are very closely working with the government okay we are getting lot of support from our different volunteers uh, whether uh, it is uh, in form of their time effort even fundraising as well mm-hmm. plus uh, we are getting a lot of support from corporates as well so they are also supporting us support in the sense uh, government will not support us financially but uh, when uh, this uh, shramik trains were going on we were working very closely with the labor department and the railway so uh, we used to go to the different mustering centers we used to distribute food over there and uh, whenever trains were there almost uh, in uh, city railway station in majestic every day there will be like um, at least 3 400 volunteers who used to do packing and uh, distribute the food and all that way we are working very closely with the government generally government does not uh, fund anyone okay so basically they are providing the, the infrastructure if, if i'm not wrong uh, we are assisting the government basically okay. the wherever wherever we can intervene and uh, we can help them uh, we are helping that way. yeah okay. and they will they will share the info they will give the contact mm-hmm. that way Uh-huh. they used to tell us tomorrow these many trains are there they require this much food and all our volunteers we used to cook the food we used to pack it in our warehouse in fact when these trains were going on mm-hmm. every night it was uh, 24 hour routine Mm-hmm. the general thing was uh, every day how many migrant workers will turn up no one knew including the police department including the labor department mm-hmm. inclu- including the railways mm-hmm. so what used to happen is they used to schedule the trains only around 10 11 pm tomorrow's trains mm-hmm. generally around this time it would uh, it will be confirmed tomorrow whether there are two th- trains three trains four trains that way uh, once as soon as that was confirmed we used to get that information and then we used to pack every night on an average 50000 rotis every day every day so there was a one uh, warehouse in jayanagar wherein we used to pack wherein almost 100 uh, volunteers entire night they used to pack the rotis then in the morning wherever the trains are leaving in different stations whether it is malur whether it is chikbanwar whether it is cantonment station mm-hmm. we used to send those mm-hmm. and then just about 2 hours or 3 hours before migrant workers start to come in in uh, bmtc buses mm-hmm. then there they used to issue their uh, tickets everything and we used to give food to them so the entire process was like almost 24 hours so this went on yeah. for a long time because shramik trains also yeah this went on this went on for 2 uh, months plus uh, almost uh, 235 240 trains all together mm-hmm. uh, we supported uh, right from first train till the the thing in fact uh, i believe now again one or two trains they are suppo- they will be sending now mm-hmm. because they had stopped in between due to that lockdown and all mm-hmm. i believe few more migrants are there as of now in palace ground i believe but there are not enough migrants so that they can send one complete train mm-hmm. see until and unless they have got about 1200 people they don't send a train i think uh, i have seen from my own eyes that the palace ground it was like flooded with uh, migrant workers i think that was a big challenge for you is it yeah 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 see uh, there were actually three mustering centers palace ground was just one of it there was another mustering center which was manpo next to nagwar uh, manyada tech park in hebbal near hebbal and another one was uh, beic in tumkur road okay there were three different uh, mustering centers wherein people used to come there and depending on the state 
they used to stay there. Most, uh, in majority of the cases, all the Northeast migrant workers used to stay in uh, Manco. But this uh, different North India, Orissa, Jharkhand, UP, Bihar, uh, Rajasthan and all, you know, few people used to stay in uh, Palestine, few people used to stay in uh, BIEC. So, yeah. So, we used to help the department even in the mustering center. See, over there, uh, they needed a lot of volunteers to manage the crowd, to do their data entry. What used to happen is when the people come in, they start, uh, first is they need to register themselves. They'll take all the basic details. Then, uh, the data needs uh, has to be keyed in the BBMP system. Mm-hmm. So there were uh, in every mustering center there were anywhere between uh, 20 to 30 volunteers with laptops. So uh, they used to enter those details, and then the health officers from uh, BBMP used to be there who do their medical screening and then issue the uh, token for the ticket. Then the BMTC buses used to come there. So based on that token, they'll uh, they'll board them and they used to take them to the respective railway station. And at that time, the ticket used to be issued and uh, they board in the train. Even uh, that was like uh, uh, people used to stay for a day or two till they find the train. And now, and now coming back to what you are doing, the oxygen c- cylinders, what challenges are you facing there, Tosif? Like is it like the shortages of cylinders or uh, is there any uh, disruption in the supply chain? What is ex- What exactly is happening on the ground? Uh, see, for that matter, in fact, we, uh, through our, uh, through Mercy Mission only, we are, uh, HBS is also part of Mercy Mission, the HBS hospital in Shivaji okay? The thing what has happened is right from this uh, COVID crisis has started, there is acute shortage of everything related to COVID. Any equipment, whether it is ventilators, whether it is PPE kits, whether it is masks, whether it is any sort of medical medicines, all those things are in short supply, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, always there is a high demand. Mm-hmm. And as far as the cylinders are also concerned, uh, uh, just about, uh, we started this around uh, four weeks back. This is the fourth week, okay, mm-hmm. uh, this uh, cylinders, what we started. As of now, the portable cylinders, which can be easily carried uh, in the two-wheeler or in the car and all, no, those are the small ones. That is called B-type and C-type cylinders, mm-hmm. which are which which is not at all available in the market as of now in the Bangalore. We sold, sourced it from different vendors in Bangalore, and in fact, even outside Bangalore. We sourced few cylinders from Tamil Nadu, few cylinders directly from one of the vendors in Gujarat as well. But are you seeing a sort of a black marketing happening there because the demand is going up? See, in retail, there is some kind of a black marketing. I don't deny that. Because since we have been very fortunate because we are procuring everything in bulk, whatever it is, right from day one, uh, not only cylinders, we have procured many other medical equipments and this thing to support the HBS hospital and uh, Shifa hospital and all. Mm-hmm. So, so we had uh, quite a big uh, vendor list mm-hmm. and even they have been very helpful to us. Uh, so uh, definitely there is a shortage. There is no denying on that. But uh, on the wholesale front or in the bulk quantity, I don't feel there is a black marketing. But definitely on the retail side, it might be there. Because people will not know, no. There will be a small shop. So whatever he says, whether it is pulse oximeter or some of the thermometers and all, they may jack up the price and they may sell it to the end consumer. That is happening. Mm-hmm. Sure. My final question to you would be, tell us something about the Mercy Angels. Like, uh, <laughs> How how does the day go and what exactly do you get calls? Basically, uh, what Mercy Mission did was, even before a single death had happened in Bangalore, we went and spoke to the authorities in the health department and we proposed that we will do the last journey. Because when we had seen... Uh, in other places, basically uh, outside India, who, the people who had expired, they were not, uh, the last journey was not uh, respectful and dignified. Okay. And people had, they were afraid about it and the situation was as such. 
family was not supposed to come because they would have been self isolated or quarantined or in most of the cases they would have also turned positive there won't be enough people to do the uh, burial or the cremation mm-hmm. and then there were a lot of restriction at that time lockdown was going on there were uh, many restrictions from the government side also so what we did was we proposed it to the health department and they agreed agreed for our proposal and what we do is uh, from the department we will get a call directly mm-hmm. if uh, a person is uh, expired this i'm talking in march and april okay. so initially uh, we were the only one who used to do this last journey mm-hmm. and we there was a dedicated team of volunteers who used to do this initially then irrespective of caste religion sex everything whether it is a hindu muslim christian we used to do this service we had dedicated initially two ambulances mm-hmm. and there were 8 to 10 volunteers who used to do it then what happened is this uh, the cases uh, were increased many multifolds and uh, this the more and more people uh, required for this job then even we increased another two or uh, as of now i think five or six ambulances are there or dedicated only for the mercy angels work mm-hmm. and then uh, later on uh, we set up a hotline for this also and there is a back end team also mm-hmm. who take the calls who will uh, act as a interface between the hospital with uh, with the burial grounds or the crematorium and with the family so as soon as we get a call we will check with them whether all the hospital documentation hospital formalities are completed or not see one is hospital needs to give a discharge summary they have to do their documentation on their side and then the bbmp health officer has to come and issue a form 4a that is a authorization to release the dead body so once that is there then we need to confirm it with the burial ground or the crematorium they will give us slot now you can come at this time and this time and then this everything needs to be coordinated with the attender or the family member whoever is managing this mm-hmm. and once all these clearances are there we will send the ambulance uh, with our volunteers and they will uh, don the ppe suit and with complete safety protocol they'll go they'll uh, take the deceased in the ambulance and they'll come to the respective uh, this thing and there are uh, different volunteers uh, different volunteers uh, in uh, crematoriums and in the burial grounds as well in different graveyards mm-hmm. so they will help on that gra- uh, in the graveyard and once that is done again they will go they'll remove the pp they will sanitize the ambulance and again they, uh, they have to take a bath they have to Yeah, remove their clothes it needs to be washed and then they'll go back to the home and uh, they'll do it mm-hmm. uh, every day on an average each ambulance does about uh, there have been times wherein they have done burials till 12 o'clock 1 o'clock in the night most of the times it is like uh, minimum uh, 12 hours duty mm-hmm. and uh, uh, another thing is that see now the diggers are not there even for regular like, i'm not talking about the just the covid uh, deaths but even the regular deaths people are finding it difficult so are you helping even them also yeah see initially what happened was uh, uh, till now till yesterday we did some math uh, if i if i remember the figures correctly we have done around 245 covid uh, last journey and about uh, 45 or 47 non covid mm-hmm. non covid uh, in the lockdown we used to do the last journey of even non covid dead because there was a lot of challenge mm-hmm. because there were not enough vehicles available not enough people uh, there were a lot of restrictions no so so we used to do non covid uh, last journeys as well but now what has happened since uh, the this crisis has Uh, increase so much and there are so many people who are expiring it is very difficult to manage mm-hmm. so as of now we are not doing non covid uh, but covid deaths we are doing in fact uh, now there are other uh, few ngos also who have started this. there is jamaat ulama hind also they have also put uh, three if i'm not wrong three ambulances dedicated for this work Mm-hmm. and uh, there is i think uh, 
one more ambulance uh, by student group that also they have started now uh, you mentioned about the hotline could you tell us uh, the, the same thing again like this is the same hotline as the previous number or is this is a different no 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 it is a different because that uh, process is entirely different this process is entirely different no so uh, see uh, what happens is uh, we have created a hotline and uh, there are uh, people 24/7 who would be taking calls there is a different backend team mm-hmm. who takes calls and uh, crunch the data everything mm-hmm. because we we need to keep track of everything initially what happened there were only handful of burials mm-hmm. maximum 2 3 a day that was the average mm-hmm. now it has increased a lot and that's why we need to uh, track and manage uh, we need to liaison with multiple people no mm-hmm. health department hospital crematoriums family everything just to manage all those things and there will be people who will be taking calls and they will be coordinating with uh, other people and finalizing it so based on that uh, those uh, ambulances uh, will go there and uh, finish the last journey mm-hmm. so could you tell us yeah. the the this particular hotline and also if someone mm-hmm. wants to get in touch with you or uh, you know they want to volunteer how how can they come and approach you can you tell us about yeah yeah uh, same thing see initially there were only very few volunteers then many people turned up even now we have many non muslims also uh, who are volunteering in uh, mercy angels mm-hmm. so mercy angels number is uh, 08047191134 so if they call on this number no and they, even if somebody wants to volunteer also if they can give the details what we do is uh, see everybody uh, is doing voluntarily so nobody is being paid here mm-hmm. so now we have multiple volunteers so we make a roster system wherein every day there'll be different people who would be doing this mm-hmm. in this uh, we are managing uh, we have more people so that one or two days in a week they volunteer for this work also rest of the days they'll do their own work they if they're working on a job or if they're doing their own business whatever mm-hmm. plus it is we are managing the exposure also the risk is also there for the volunteers no yeah, yeah so when we have many people it will be the risk is divided between so many people if the same person is going every day mm-hmm. one is it is a very physically and mentally uh, draining thing it is a very it's not a very easy job mm-hmm. every day seeing somebody used it who is who we are picking up mentally also it uh, it is very difficult mm-hmm. not easy mm-hmm. so just to manage that now we have got a mini volunteer all right tosip thank you so much for talking to uh, dh radio okay thank you aman thank you okay bye bye now let's listen to sayed Welcome to DH Radio Syed Rasalja. Hi. So uh, tell us about your organization and uh, what exactly do you do here? Uh see basically we are into uh, mankind and humanity services. Okay. Mm-hmm. We started this from the pandemic uh, distributed for, for the needful in the areas where we used to identify through our volunteers. After the town was open mm-hmm. then we could see the depth starting in the earlier stage when there were two deaths happened and the two bodies were being burned because mm-hmm. that you know they didn't had any knowledge how to handle a dead body so okay. they just burnt it off so there are people you know who really respect when they're alive and the people even more who have more respect for the dead and they really want to give that you know last rites proper last rites to the person who passed away so few of the people just raised their voice against the government and they said nay we want to do the cremation the last rites in a right way and mm-hmm. the government has to take a proper decision and give us the guidelines how to do the cremation so after a time the mortuary started getting filled up with the death with mm-hmm. the death rate mm-hmm. and finally the government came up with a suggestion telling that you know you should have a 8 feet 10 feet of a pit been dig for the person who's passed away 
and they have to be buried into that mm-hmm. and if there is a burning case like in new religion they burn the body for them they had no what is they, they, they could take but them to the crematorium and they can straight away take the body to the crematorium and just burn it away straight away mm-hmm. and there were guidelines from the government telling that you have to you know be very cautious you have to wear a pp kit mm-hmm. and go to the last rites and there were a lot many things when initially when government started with this oh, i just watched one video on whatsapp that you know literally the bodies were being thrown into a big pit Mm-hmm. some in bodies and you know the mud was being pushed on to it mm-hmm. also felt very bad and i just thought for two minutes if it was me or my parents or my friends or whoever it is i wouldn't have really acknowledged the way you know the last rites were done so i voluntarily came out then there was a couple of people like me minded we've been discussing then we started telling yes okay we will start so there was a team called uh, you know first from BZ uh, Zamir Ahmed Khan from Chamraj Pay mm-hmm. he was the person who raised the voice first mm-hmm. and uh, he said i will make teams for multiple communities who can give the last rites mm-hmm. and out of that they selected me for tandri road in bangalore mm-hmm. they selected mm-hmm. me for tandri road and they taught me how to do it there was a couple of uh, bbmp officials who came and who showed us how to do the cremation and they said what are the cautions we have to take when we are doing it then initially when i started my whole family was being worried telling you know everyone are feared and you really want to go and do the cremation for the dead then again scientifically photos there on google everything i just showed my family telling the viruses live with the body only for 7 hours and after 7 hours the virus also dies with the body so we don't have to worry and there's a proper pp uh, sorry the dead body kit you know in which the body is been packed so we don't have to worry it's just we pay the last rites you know so the family people also get a little bit you know peace of mind hmm. and satisfied they, you know they have definitely done something for the person who's passed with covid-19 in the family and they got a respectful journey you know best for her so slowly we started with this and uh, now by god's grace i have uh, 15 volunteers with me and among the volunteers all of the volunteers are my friends itself all of, uh, from well to do families with own businesses and some and there's a guy called zaid he's working in an it company he says keeping uh, he just keeps telling me zaid please don't take my name anywhere if my company knows they'll shoot me out <laughs> I said, "No, don't worry. God is there." Mm-hmm. Then one final day, he came and he said, "Same week today, I'm I'm out of the fear, and even you know, if the company kicks me out, it is you know we're doing the God's job. And if I've been kicked out from that company, I'll definitely get a better job in another, another company. Mm-hmm. That is what is my faith now so stronger," he said. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. kind of people, they all come regularly, give a helping hand to me, and we do it and. recently we done a crimination of a christian uh, brother also at uh, kalpalli mm-hmm. the body was believe me the body was in martha's hospital for two days just because the relatives of the body did not know how to do the crimination and they really wanted to give a respectful last rites to the, to the gentleman who was passed and luckily there was a person called dr tabrez who called me up and since they been viral my name number uh, on whatsapp facebook and all social media so mm-hmm. we get calls telling sir this is like this is what we do how should we do so my either if i'm available i go or i send one of my friend and you know handle it from the scratch from the hospital itself we ensure that you know we get the documentation done and take the body mm-hmm. in an ambulance we we have our own ambulances as well but there are simultaneously some other organizations like us who do voluntary services for the uh, person who passed covid-19 they deliver the body to the burial ground or graveyards or to the 
they'll allow you, they'll take you in any government hospital where there is a way you know bed available and you will be treated trust me you will be treated in 3 to 5 days you will be back healthy hmm. so please do not please do not get panicked do not hide it the more you hide the more you will trouble your own family your own friends your own neighbors if you really love them if you really care them ensure that you first come out and say that you know you have this symptom and you want to get checked mm-hmm. my wife was positive my father was asymptomatic mm-hmm. i'm thankful to god that you know i've been blessed by so many people so many people i've done more than 150 burials and every single family has personally called me up and you know they have blessed me mm-hmm. they have told that the services the mankind and humanity services what you and your friends are doing we really cannot pay back for it we have just a thanks that we can tell you mm-hmm. and let us know whatever we can do we will do it for you okay that blessings that blessings only saved me that blessings only saved my wife that blessings only saved my father though we take all precautions okay that there are some mistakes sometimes we do and we get trapped and you said about see uh, you are digging say suppose like a 10 feet as you said uh, according to the guidelines yeah so and there's a huge shortages of the people who dig the graves so no we we have a we have a jcb with us okay. okay there's a gentleman called i i really don't know whether i have to tell this or not mm-hmm. but i love to tell it because you know that was the right time he supported us mm-hmm. there are two guys who really came out and first supported us one is the sk garden corporator named by zamir shah hmm. he initially supported with uh, you know jcb for us mm-hmm. and uh, you know the moment jcb used to come the drivers used to work for some time mm-hmm. and they used to say sir hum khane ke liye ja ke aate hain utak bahut padti nahi he runs off he never comes back if you say that you have a job in the burial ground i don't know people get feared and they run off the drivers live of the jcb and go Oh. then finally i discussed with uh, sampath about this mm-hmm. then sampath raj he was an ex mayor last year mm-hmm. he said tafu bhai i will promise you i will give you a jcb till this pandemic gets over you keep this jcb with you mm-hmm. i will give you a driver also and there also we got failed i tried paying triple the time of the salary for the jcb drivers to convince and to come help us no one came mm-hmm. lastly i found two people one is named by ragu and another uh, named by rafi mm-hmm. ragu is uh, gone back to his hometown because of the lockdown last week mm-hmm. but rafi stayed back he's from gulbarga and he's supporting us amazingly mm-hmm. we we have done digging in hebal we have done digging in kalpalli the crystal burial ground the hindu burial ground he's done the digging for us in uh, tandri road muslim burial ground and in nanditur road again in uh, muslim burial ground udusa so wherever we tell he he comes with us it is i feel that you know he is one of our volunteer he is not paid he is one of our volunteer i say to everyone end of the day we pay him salary that is a second story but the fear which has just come out and you know he's come out to support to help everyone on to the mankind and humanity services i really appreciate him mm-hmm. without a uh, jcb it could have been really very tough mm-hmm. really very tough you said that you you were tested positive yes so uh, could you share us the experience of you know how did you go through that and you know when when uh, when they had to quarantine you how was that see initially the first time i did not check but i knew the symptoms you know i used to get often headache then i used to have some uh, cough dry cough so this was the basic symptoms because uh, we have a so, uh, group Uh, a whatsapp group in which we have almost 160 doctors and there are even doctors from uk us uh, france italy in this mm-hmm. apart of doctors from india and bangalore we have the most and the best doctors in that group so mm-hmm. i just texted telling that you know i have the syndrome and i'm uh, volunt- i'm doing voluntary services for this mm-hmm. so they asked me from how many days i said it's from past 2 3 days i've been taking the basic uh, tablets for my half headache and for the cough but i couldn't uh, really mm-hmm. control it then they said you first quarantine you stop you don't go out mm-hmm. 
otherwise the volunteers who who are supporting you will get infected mm-hmm. just quarantine yourself into a room don't even allow your children your wife mm-hmm. or any elderly person to meet you also and they prescribed me just the general medicine trust me i just had that medicine for 3 days which has been given in the hospitals in every every hospital it is the same medicine which they give okay and they gave me some immune boosters then they gave me some vitamin c chewing tablets and all three days i had and uh, one of my friend he makes an water called oxidized water mm-hmm. okay uh, so that oxidized water also helped me a lot to you know boost my oxygen system in my body through which i i really recovered very quickly in three days when that was the first time again i went for a checkup after my you know knowing that i was positive Mm-hmm. 3 days i quarantined myself i sanitized my entire room mm-hmm. i never allowed anyone inside the room mm-hmm. then the day i came out i went i got a test done then on the third day i got a report telling that you are negative mm-hmm. because earlier to this i was doing services in haj bhavan haj bhavan was a quarantine center we had almost 450 uh, you know beds getting quarantine there are people who used to come from uh, outstation hmm. people who used to come from foreign abroad and all they used to get quarantine there for 14 days 15 days and all mm-hmm. so we used to support them uh, you know with their basic needs so we used to go often meet them come so that that was the time you know we really i was really infected mm-hmm. that was the first time and the second time when i was doing this burials mm-hmm. you know i got fever hmm. the first day when i got fever i thought it is just because i'm uh, you know overworked and over over stressed yeah and i used to you know i used to learn how to uh, use the shovel to hmm. push the mud hmm. Hmm. into the grave so i thought it is just because of that hmm. i i just used one dolo 650 i kept quiet hmm. but i couldn't see any changes in my hmm. cell then second day i could see again the temperature rising then one of the doctor he says you know you have to change the immune system of your body only then the you know virus gets killed hmm until unless you don't do that hmm it is always a risk mm-hmm. so first try to change your immune system your body you drink water as much as you can not extremely over as much as you can and make sure that you have it to sippable modes in hot so you know hot sippable uh, condition mm-hmm. then i started that and i again went on to quarantine for two days mm-hmm. because i used to have that oxidized water i used to have the medi- medicine plus i used to have the hot water every often with lime or mm-hmm. i used to have it with apple vinegar mm-hmm. it definitely supported me a lot Hmm. so I, i became again negative now hmm. because when this second time when i tested i was positive mm-hmm. and the bbmp had started calling me okay sir you are tested positive we want to come to your home we want to inspect your home mm-hmm. we want to quarantine we want to seal down your area mm-hmm. then i said sir we are working for you we are working with you mm-hmm. if you can acknowledge this you please come to my home sit have a cup of coffee you see my home inspect everything if you feel right that what i'm doing is right you allow me to do the way i am doing it and mm. please guide me if i'm doing some something wrong mm. Mm. then they used to acknowledge because i i used to support the bbmp on the other hand mm-hmm. so that was a plus point because i've been working with the uh, you know government department they really appreciate and give a thanks to me mm-hmm. and twice you know there are some bbmp people who came to my home they saw they saw my father they saw my wife so my children and said you know you you been on to high risk and you doing this social services we really salute you and that was the time they said sir it is better you please get one check up done for your father and your wife hmm. that could be more better hmm. you know rather than tomorrow hmm. having a sorry figure cut hmm. and tomorrow no one should blame you telling that you know because of your social services your father passed away no one should blame you sir bolke a bbmp official told me this the very next day morning i took them i got a rapid test done mm. and uh, it was like asymptomatic again the bbmp people rushed to my home mm-hmm. they said sir now what to do i said the way i become negative 
please allow me i will do the same with my wife and my father i do respect because you've been given me the opportunities mm-hmm. and been giving the you know swift and swing action to support me and my family mm-hmm. i will help myself if i'm wrong or if i'm going to fail i'll definitely take the bbmp support mm-hmm. and they really gave me the time and by god god's grace i feel my father and my wife are negative now because i have the, I've got them quarantine i've got them the basic medicine mm-hmm. yeah, because they have asymptomaticals like you don't get any symptoms mm-hmm. no headache no cough no nausea mm-hmm. no fever nothing mm-hmm. you will feel that you are absolutely fine fit but you never One know it's there. something goes wrong yeah and you know they say that's cardiac arrest so for that you have to just have a little more caution and Mm. you should ensure that you should not go out at all anywhere yeah yeah but but but, but trust me mm-hmm. from this pandemic i have not allowed my child to even hug me go i tomorrow i don't want anyone to point a finger towards me and tell see he was volunteering and his family faced this problems True. because when we are inspiring others to come and be a support for us be a volunteer hmm. so people and families the area where you stay they become more bold and they become more supportive to you yeah trust me when i when i come out of my home and when i go towards the real ground hmm. most of the people they don't even want to meet me also hmm. because they they have the false fear into them yeah yeah see the truth is you should have social distancing that is first and foremost very important mm-hmm. second thing is avoid socializing mm-hmm. avoid any area which is crowded mm-hmm. do not go there mm-hmm. it is better you go you travel another 5 kilometers you have to buy something for your home let it be groceries or anything mm-hmm. but avoid getting into some rushed area hmm. where hmm. people people are being overseen yes. in a huge number please don't go there yeah. wear a mask have gloves worn hmm. if you don't have a sanitizer ensure that you don't touch your face anywhere hmm. at any point at all hmm. do not touch your face the moment you reach home just wash your hands for 10 seconds wash your face for 10 seconds minimum with the soap even any soap that itself will sanitize you yeah. if you feel that you were in a crowded place please remove the clothes get a bucket of hot water mm. put clothes into that mm. Mm. that's more safer yeah it all depends on you know uh, taking care of yourself and yes i'm telling you no, don't, don't don't get out into public areas Hmm. Okay don't mingle up don't socialize even if you have to go to prayers ensure that you do your prayers with social distancing true you will be 100% safe hmm. if you're going for work ensure that you have social distance maintained hmm. Hmm. you have proper sanitizers with you or you wash your hands often hmm. when you touch anything so, so this because you don't know who's the primary contact who's the secondary contact okay because you don't have to fear that if a person has been tested positive you don't have to get feared about him because you know that he's positive and you you will definitely take cautions by him hmm. but what about the person who is a secondary and a primary contact how will you come to know yeah exactly that is why we say have social distancing that is same another my final question to you would be like uh, what's the uh, you you've been doing that for a quite a long time so uh, have you seen any trend like is there a decreasing trend or an increasing trend and what next uh, for you see actually uh, when we started it started with the numbers of 2 and 3 hmm. okay and in 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 the tandrirod muslim burial ground i'm telling you hmm. and the numbers went up to 10 a day hmm then slowly it started coming down 
and today by god's grace we have done one burial and past four four days back we didn't had a single burial also mm-hmm. but meanwhile again between this two three days we had like you know three and four burials a day so that figures that numbers show that by god's grace most of them are getting recovered mm-hmm. most of them today are understanding the real fact truth of waters coronavirus and they're trying to fight back with it all right sir thank you for talking to dh radio yeah thank you bye 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 thank you have a safe day safe night you too you too and you also be you know cautious when you're into office yes. have the distancing maintained yes yes whatever happens thank you bye yes. thank you that's all in today's episode Tune in this evening on a news update podcast from the newsroom to catch all the exciting developments of the day and to get the news while it's still budding. For latest news and updates, log on to www.deckenherald.com. Check out our e-paper at www.deckenheraldepaper.com. To read news on the go, sign up to our Telegram channel t.me/deckenheraldnews. Keep up with the news from your interested sphere by downloading the all-new Deckenherald app, in which you can personalize, have quick glance at news shots, check highlights, and even listen. too you can get it from google play store and apple app store and you can find the links to the same in the description